This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, radio friends. How in the world are you? Yes, that little greeting establishes the fact that this is your good friend, Bob Cook. I'm glad to be back with you to share for a few moments from the Word of God. I'll tell you, I get blessed by it anyway. So if nobody else gets any help, yours truly gets blessed as as we look together at the Word of God. We're walking through First Peter. Uh, chapter 5 is the location, and verse 8 is the verse. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith. Now, I mentioned to you that that word sober means cool and calm, collected and dispassionate and temperate. Don't lose your cool. You don't have to be shaken because the devil or those who serve him are opposing you. You don't have to be shaken up. Christians don't scare because they don't have to scare. That doesn't mean that you've lost the capacity to be afraid. If if you see a man or a woman who has no capacity to fear at all, they need uh, they need therapy. They need help. Something wrong in the in the in the house upstairs. There may be a light on, but nobody's there. So uh, I don't mean that you won't ever get frightened, that or that you've lost the capacity to be afraid. I do mean that you don't need to scare when you know the answer to it. Let me give you a simple homely illustration. Have you ever stayed in a house that was strange to you? Uh, Let's say you were a visitor in someone's home, or let's say you had just moved into a new house. All right, now the day is over, and... uh, you go about the few chores that you have to do as you finish the day. You turn out the lights and you check all the doors to see they're locked and you turn down the thermostat so that the furnace won't be going all night. And you say your prayers and you go to bed. Now you're trying to compose yourself to get to sleep. And you you go through the routine that everybody seems to have. You turn first to one side, then to another, and you and you, you you get to a place where you're reasonably comfortable and where the lumps in the mattress fit the lumps on your body, <laughs> you know. Jack Wurtson stayed at our house one time, and he said, I didn't sleep very well because the lumps in your mattress are not like the lumps in my mattress. They didn't fit my body. <laughs> oh, well, so you go through that little routine, and finally you're just about to co- go to sleep when you hear a strange sound. Crack. And you say, what was that? Oh, is there somebody here? Is there somebody walking around? Did someone break in? And you hear that, that, that cracking or creaking or groaning. You know, houses talk. <laughs> you know that, don't you? And so you hear that sound, and then by and by you, you identify it as being, well, it's just, the, it's just the sound of the house. And after you've lived there for a while, it gets to be kind of a friendly sound. And, and you sometimes wait to hear the sounds that the house itself makes in the quietness of the night hours, and you're not afraid anymore. Does Do you identify with that, any of you? I've been through it myself, and I, I know exactly how it feels. Sitting bolt upright in bed and say, is there somebody here, you know, and, and getting ready to throw something at the intruder. Well, 
all it was was the house settling a little or just just talking as houses do in the quiet of the night. Then you got used to it. You don't scare. Why? Because you know the score. You know what's happening. Say, can you apply that to your own life as it, as it relates to the things through which you have to go day by day and specifically as it relates to the opposition of the, the person who is the enemy of your soul, the, the devil. Can you realize that he's a beaten foe, that Jesus conquered him at the cross, that he's a deceiver and, and he'll always try to trick you, that he's an accuser and he'll always try to accuse you? He's called the accuser of the brethren. That he's a liar, Jesus called him that. And a murderer, Jesus called him that. Realizing who and what your opposition is and that that opposition has already been defeated at the cross, you don't have to scare. Why? Not because you're incapable of fear, but because you understand what's going on and you know the answer. Well, hallelujah. Be calm, he said. Don't lose your cool. Yes, you're up against a roaring lion trying to scare you off. Trying to say, if you live out and out for the Lord Jesus, you won't get promoted on the job. If you're a faithful, witnessing Christian, you won't be popular. If you're a real Christian, you'll never get a date. If you're a real Christian, you'll never find somebody that wants to marry you, and you'll be lonesome and single all the rest of your life. If you're a real Christian, you won't make any money. If you're a real Christian, you won't succeed. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. The devil's a liar. You don't have to let him shake you up and frighten you. Take the word of God instead. The Bible says that the person who follows, who loves the word of God and who meditates upon it and follows what it says, it says, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. God is the God who makes you to succeed. Joshua 8 said, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. Two great words you might think they came straight out of, of Dale Carnegie's uh, teaching. Prosperous and success. God is the God of success, not of failure. You don't have to get scared by the roaring of your adversary. God can see you through and make you the best that he can make you as a born-again human being. You don't have to lose your cool. It's good, isn't it? Now, the other side of it, he says, be vigilant. Be vigilant. Life doesn't have to take you by surprise, and you don't have to be a victim of Satan's deceptions. Vigilant. What does that mean? It means giving strict attention to, being alert, being watchful. I flew a good many miles in the Youth for Christ days with Paul Hartford, my dear friend who still lives in the, in the Bay Area down there around St. Petersburg. He doesn't fly an airplane any longer, but now he, now he counsels people because God has given him some very wise approaches to life. But he, he was a missionary pilot for years, and uh, so it was my privilege to fly with him to different meetings around uh, the Caribbean and, and uh, the island world and so on. 
One of the first times that we took a trip together, I said, Paul, teach me something about flying. Well, he said, the first lesson you need to learn is to imagine that your head is on a swivel and you keep looking around. He said, there, there will never be a time when you can say to yourself, I don't need to watch now. He said, always be looking around you to see what's, uh, what's around. Well, that was good advice. I don't know whether people who teach flying <coughs> say it in that way, but uh, it most certainly is good advice not only for flying an airplane, but for driving a car or just for living in the turbulent century in which we find ourselves. Be vigilant. What does it mean? Be alert. Don't be drowsing and sleeping on the job. I was involved, as some of you remember, back in the early 1980s, whenever it was, 83 or 84, in uh, a head-on crash, driving across a bridge, a two-lane bridge, and all of a sudden this car swung out and we had a head-on collision. And uh, the Lord took care of me. I just got a broken rib or two and some bruises. The car ultimately got fixed up. Never ran the same after that, but... Uh, but you know what happened? Well, the dear old man got out and, and looked at me, and he said, I think I must have fallen asleep. Well, he chose the wrong time to to, to take a nap, didn't he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he said, be alert. Stay awake. You know, one of the things that's so sad is that when the Lord Jesus needed somebody to pray with him, to watch with him, and to pray with him there in the Garden of Gethsemane, just moments before Judas was to arrive and betray him to the to the rulers. In those moments, he said, Tarry ye here and watch with me, and he came back and found them sleeping. He went away and prayed the second time, came back, found them sleeping. Went away the third time, came back, and they were still, uh, had fallen off to sleep again. Now, I'll grant you that it had been a long day and they were tired. And sitting there in the warm darkness of the garden, of Gethsemane, it was it was certainly an effort uh, to keep awake, and so they gave in to sleep. But it was the wrong time to take a nap, and so he said, uh, sadly, "Sleep on now and take your rest. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me." He said, "Well, you had your nap now. I had to do my praying alone." The angels came to comfort me, but you did, you did, you were sleeping. See, uh, stay awake on the job for God. There's never a time when you can say it doesn't matter now. You do your best to be polite to people at work, but when you come home, you reserve the right to grumble and be impolite to the family. You say it doesn't matter. I'm in my own house. Oh, yes, it matters. A lot of you is rubbing off on those with whom you live. Yes, it matters very, very much. You're on a trip. You're a long way from home. Nobody knows you. And so you say, well, it doesn't matter what I do now. I can engage in this or that or the other activity. I can watch this or that or the other film. And maybe you are tempted to uh, to take a drink or two. You're, you're not a, a drinker in the in the Christian community in which you live, but you think, oh, well, it can't do any harm to have an occasional beer, and maybe you're tempted that way. Whatever it may be, you say, well, I'm, nobody knows who and what I am, and it doesn't matter. Oh, yes, it matters. Oh, yes, it matters. 
You're always on the job. You're always on display. You're always like a person in a, in a in a amphitheater with the angels and the demons watching you. We're made, Paul says, a spectacle unto men and angels and demons. You're always on stage, in other words. Yes, it matters. Stay on the job. Stay alert for God. Be alert. Be watchful. Life doesn't have to take you by surprise. My old boss, Vic Corey, used to say, you don't have to have a high coefficient of gullibility in order to be spiritual. Be watchful. And then he said, give strict attention to. Give strict attention to. A friend of mine had a diesel, uh, a Mercedes diesel, and so it it needed fuel. And uh, she drove up to the gas station and said, fill it up. And uh, turned away from the car and was uh, fooling with something or other uh, in the uh, in the glove compartment while the attendant was putting fuel in the car. Unfortunately, he put gasoline in the tank. And when she started up the engine, you know what happened? Well, they had to get a new engine. That's what happened. She wasn't watchful. She wasn't paying attention. She could have avoided it, but she didn't. And so we close this broadcast by reminding you that you do have an enemy... He's a beaten foe, but God says just stay awake and stay on the job. Good idea, wouldn't you say? Dear Father, today, keep us on the job. Watchful, alert, calm, trusting. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.